everybody, welcome back to the Dennis and Friends podcast, a place where my friends and I talk about whatever we want to talk about, whatever interests us, what's going on in life and around the world, or to continue talking basketball while watching basketball, in this case, Lakers versus Warriors. I'm Dennis, I host this show, this is episode 86, and we're going to talk second round of the NBA playoffs tonight and some other just miscellaneous things. So Jet is here with me to... Uh, keep our little streak going of uh, of episodes as we go deeper and deeper into the postseason. Yes, sir. Here we are. Glad to be back, man. It's been a wild ride in the postseason so far. Um, really great second round matchups. Really great games that we've seen so far. And so I'm excited to talk about it with you, man. I want to start with a game, okay? And Jet does not know anything about this game, okay? Uh, listener, I have been inspired by... Uh, there's a there's a Instagram account or not just an Instagram account. It's a big soccer blog website called the goal. And they've been putting out this, a bunch of content. That's kind of funny. But one of the ones that I actually like is this little like five question trivia game where basically they say like, for example, name me five Italian players for Belgium club teams, three, goalkeepers to whatever and they just kind of go five four three two one and they just kind of pick a random category to fit between all that so i'm inspired by that and i want to do it nba style and so jet has no idea the questions that i'm about to ask him but i'm going to test his basketball knowledge and i think he'll do okay with it so jet to kick things off first question the the five question name for me the last five nba champions all right. Uh, last year, obviously, the Warriors. Um, so 2022, 2021 was the Bucks. 2020 was the Lakers. 2019 would have been the Toronto Raptors. Yeah. And then uh, 2018 was, was the Warriors. Yeah. Okay. Good. Now name me four players on the Mavericks 2006 NBA Finals team. Oh man, heck yeah! Um, so we got we got Dirk Nowitzki, we got Jason Terry, um, we got Josh Howard, and we got Devin Harris. Okay, figured I'd give you a, an easy one. Name me three players who were drafted number one overall in the in the NBA draft ever. So. Uh, Zion went first. Um, we had LeBron go first, obviously. Um, and Hakeem Elijah won. Nice. I like. Yeah. I like the Hakeem mention there. Back, man. Gotta respect the greats. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Okay, here's the hard one. Name me two European basketball club teams. Oh man. Um, I mean, I guess Barcelona is, is one, right? Cause yes. yeah, obviously Luca, um, that is, that is tough. Um, man, I know, I know that Dirk played for one. I know that Spain has one cause the Gasol brothers played on it. I couldn't name them though. I don't think I know the actual like name of the club. Team. Well, well, you actually didn't name Lucas' correct club team 
Although Barcelona is one, so I'll give you oh, the credit okay. for that. But if, okay. But if you could remember what Man, the, I should know that. the other team is. Yeah. yeah. It's wow. Barcelona's rival in uh in soccer and in basketball. Madrid. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Real Madrid. Yes. Real Madrid. I wanted you to say something like the Shanghai like sharks <laughs> or whatever they're called. Like <laughs> one of the China teams. Shaq. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or to, in homage to Dylan Brooks, Dylan who's going Brooks, to sign with them. Yeah. <laughs> Which we will talk about here very soon. Okay. Yeah. And last one Name me one player ever in history who led the league in rebounds who was not DeMontis Sabonis who won it this year. Okay. Um, Dwight Howard was a rebounding champ, I think, three or four okay. times in Orlando. Yeah. Yep. That is correct. That is correct. Okay, you did good. I, I figured we go easy, and then the more I, I yeah. do stuff like this, I'm gonna try to to test the knowledge out even more. But I yeah. figured we start start easy so that you can know what the heck was happening. That was, so that was, that was fun. Challenging. That was that's pretty good. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah the, the European one was the that was the yeah, the stumper, that was a stumper for sure more than anything. Yeah, yeah. I dig it though. So we are here to to discuss some series, all four of the series as I've now switched from the Lakers game to the Stars game, which, by the way, I don't know how... Well, I do know how the Stars are losing 4-2 to two because Andre decided to not be really good yep. tonight. So that's kind of frustrating, but uh, we'll, we'll see how we go. I'm kind of worried about Seattle's speed and, and depth, which yeah. I didn't know that they had those two things yeah. like at elite levels, but they do, well, as hey, evident by elite. them beating Colorado. Yeah, I mean, that, that was really surprising. And that was in... Was that in a, a game seven? Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And uh, it is a little concerning because we had an extra day of rest uh, compared to them. And we're on our home ice. But, you know, we, we came back from a deficit in the last series. So I'm confident in our guys. Uh, we're getting healthier as we go along. And, uh, you know, I think this Stars team is is really, really talented all, all the way around. Pretty solid everywhere on the ice. Yep. I agree. Okay, let's talk hoop. So let's start with let's start with the Eastern Conference. Yeah, man. Because there's two, I think, very different series that we have with the with the Knicks and the Heat, and then the Seventy Sixers and the Boston Celtics. Let's start with Boston and Philly, okay? And let's start with the fact that Philly somehow won a game without the now MVP of the league, Joel Embiid, um, last night because James Harden went nuclear and dropped 45 points. What do you think about... Yeah, it was crazy. What do you think about that matchup, one, just as a whole, and two, it's a two-part question, what I want to ask you. Do you agree with me in the sense of like now, especially with how things have played out in the first round, that Philly has to do whatever they can to make not even just win the series, but make the finals based yeah. on how everything is shaped up. Slash two, what are the repercussions of Boston losing the series if that were to happen? Well, man, um, I think, first of all, hats off to James Harden because I know that people have been hating on him all season long. They're like, oh, he's, he's washed. He's not the old James Harden because he's averaging 20 and 10 instead of the, you know, 30 and eight that he used to average, whatever. But man, he just showed last night why he is a league MVP. 
and why he's one of the greatest offensive threats that we have ever seen. And, and I'm glad that we get to witness that still. I mean, that is, it, it was some special basketball. He, he is a wizard on offense. Um, man, I think that, that showing, I think Philly showed themselves that they can, they, they are, they should be considered one of the favorites to win the title. Um, and that they can hang with some of the best and deepest teams in the league like Boston. Uh, I think that this win gives them some confidence going forward because, you know, in the regular season, they were kind of beat up by Boston. They, they were beat 3-1 in the season series. Uh, and in the game that they won, Jalen Brown and Robert Williams were both out. So, um, you know, they hadn't beat a, a healthy Boston team all year. Now they show that they can do that, and they did it without Embiid. I think that they... This, this you have to make the finals of your Philadelphia because you have the MVP of the league. You have James Harden who can do what he did last night still, obviously, but he can also, I mean, he's also one of the best facilitators in the game. Um, you have a Tyrese Maxey who's young and still on a cheap contract. He's going to become expensive, you know. Um, you, you have Tobias Harris who's a really good third or fourth option. You're pretty deep, honestly. You you have you have good guard depth. Um, we talked about it before. They they had a really great off season, um, so they they are prime to make that championship run. They're going to get punched in the mouth by Boston, and then by if they beat Boston, by whoever comes out of that New York and Miami series, because these are all physical, defensive minded and oriented teams uh, that are super deep. Miami's showing that they're super deep. Uh, through all these injuries that they're dealing with, they're persistent, they're persevering. Uh, you know the Knicks play a very physical brand of basketball because of Coach Tibbs and what he brings to the table. So if you're Philadelphia, you're going you're gonna to be completely battle-tested, but I think it just makes for an even better finals uh, if you are able to survive that and get all the way there. Um, so I think it's, it's pertinent that they you know, hunker down, don't lose at home when they go back for games three and four. Don't give that advantage back to Boston. Um, and, and really, like, like you control your own destiny now. So um, just protect your home court. Make sure Embiid stays healthy. Um, don't bring him back in game two if he doesn't need to be brought back in game two. You can afford to lose that game now. It's, uh, it's not crushing to go down 2-0 anymore because you've got that game one out of the way. So um, those are kind of my thoughts on that. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly with everything that, that you said. The thing that I've noticed about Boston is that it feels like they're halfway, like kind of going through the motions. It's like, they can't like kill games off, yeah. you know, like that became a pretty scary sight in the Atlanta series. Mm-hmm. And then last night you saw how they blew the game. Like, what was Brogdon doing on the on the play that you know where he just threw it away right into Maxi's hands and Maxi had the easiest like dunk of his life you yeah. know because there's nobody 50 feet like around him so i would be very very concerned if i'm a Celtics fan because i i don't know i mean i don't know if you can trust them right now and that may be a hot take but i I'm not convinced by the way that they played. I mean, I wasn't convinced by Philly either, you know, like last mm-hmm. series with, with Brooklyn. Like, they're very, like, you know, those are very weird games. And 
it was not very convincing in my eyes that you know they did what they did even though it was a sweep which is weird to say yeah however boston can't do that with who they have the roster that they have built up and the fact that jason tatum has kind of been a letdown in a lot of ways i think so far in these playoffs but then again is it a letdown or is this who he really is because I kind of feel like it's more of who he is more than anything, unfortunately. And I know people won't like me saying that, but I'm not the biggest Tatum guy. So I don't really care to be honest, but I, I just, I'm not convinced by like him, you know, you know, being the guy, like being the true number one and it actually like getting you anywhere. Cause I feel like he still doesn't make some of the right decisions. Like some of his shot selection is still, kind of off to me like there are times where he needs to drive and he's not where he's settling for jump shots there's times where he needs to shoot the ball instead of drive you know like i I don't know he's such a he's he doesn't need to be that confusing but to me he's become a little bit more confusing than i think any of us want to admit and i don't know let's say like if boston loses the series like i think you have to have conversations about how you build a team around him or how he needs to improve. Cause maybe, maybe this isn't going to work, you know, like it should work in my eyes with all that they've gone through and the deeper team that they have. Mm-hmm. And yet you see, you see how they're playing and maybe part of this is on Missoula too, but you see how they play. And it's like, are you sure that this is a good team? Like there's a lot of stuff just out on the floor where it just, doesn't it's not working you know and Jalen Brown just continues to fly under the radar and maybe maybe it's time you break the tandem up I don't want to like go too deep into that because it's a one it's a one oh series and nobody really knows and maybe they end up you know winning the championship after me saying this but mm-hmm. if we get to that point I, th- I do think you have to have conversations about who needs to stay and what kind of team you want to have around because I-, I don't know I think there's enough warning signs for me to at least bring it up. But I don't know. What do you think about all that? No, yeah, I, I, I have a lot of thoughts about what you say. I Right now, where we are currently situated, I do agree with you on Tatum in terms of the fact that, I mean, you look at the biggest moments in his career, and he, he just has not shown up um, to the extent that you expect him to as your number one guy, as your you know MVP candidate kind of kind of player. I... I want to give him some grace, though, because uh, as a huge Steph Curry fan, I remember uh, early on in Steph Curry's playoff runs, you know, these great Warriors teams that did that made the playoffs and, and went one playoff series uh, in, uh, you know, 2012 through 2014 um, is when they started started getting in there. Um, and people criticized Curry for the same stuff. And even in the championship years, um, the, the early championship years, Curry was always, you know, every third game, maybe he'd give you a clunker. You know, he, he would be inefficient. He'd turn the ball over. He would cost his team the game. Um, and, you know, as a Curry fan, I can, I can admit that and, and recognize that. And I think that Tatum, it, it, LeBron is, is kind of one of one um, in that you don't really see those instances of struggle on these big stages. You remember back in early LeBron's career, obviously 
hindered by a bad team, but but scoring the 25 straight points against the Pistons in a really clutch game on the road, coming up huge there, leading his right. team to a finals early in his career. I think Tatum even is similar to LeBron in that fact that, you know, Tatum probably could have won a championship last year. He just happened to run into an all-time great team. LeBron probably could have won a championship in 07. He just happened to run into an all-time great team. So I think that similarly to Steph and Braun's early career struggles, Tatum will get there. Tatum can be that number one guy because he is that um, insanely talented on offense. And he's not, he's not anything to laugh at defensively either. He's a very good defender. I think he right, can be, yeah. I think he can be the number one producer on a championship team. I don't doubt that. Um, I do kind of doubt if, if these pieces around him, there's a, there's a, there are a lot of good pieces. I don't know if it's the right fit to win a championship right now with the amount of talent that is around him. Personally, I think this is something that Celtics have not had really since Kyrie and Kyrie wasn't the right fit even is like an all-star point guard. I think that they need someone to be able to distribute the ball. That's not a Marcus Smart. That's not a Jason Brown. That's not a Jason Tatum because uh, that will take a lot of pressure off of um, off of Tatum. So I think I think that you give him some time with that. I do think, however, that in this series in particular, it's going to be really difficult for Tatum because the Sixers have many so so many capable bodies to throw at him. Um, and you know, you kind of hinted at the the pairing of Brown and Tatum. And I think if the Celtics did lose this series, that Brown might be walking out the door um, because I, I just I just think that there are opportunities that Brown would want to pursue, um, more favorable opportunities where he can kind of be that number one option, at least for a year or two, possibly. Um, I'm looking at a place like Houston that has the money to throw at him, that has his old coach who he loved. Um, I think it would be a, a really – appealing opportunity to him just because there's a lot of young talent there, but he would still be that number one kind of guy. I think that's something that is appealing to, to Jason or, or sorry, Jalen Brown. Um, so th- those are and mind you, it's funny there. that we're saying this. It's funny that we're saying this when Tato dropped 39 last night, yes. on a pretty efficient, like he scoring did. night, it, it but then you, but then you night. look at, but you look at the distribution and it's like, I don't know. Y- give Jalen more of those shots. Like Jalen Brown mm-hmm. shouldn't be getting 10 shots a game in a playoff game at this point. No, no, sir. Absolutely like, not. like Brogdon, I guess getting more like kind of makes sense in this scenario, but yeah, he's your sixth man of the year, but in these clutch situations and, and down the stretch, I think Jalen Brown had like 15 points going into the fourth quarter. And what did he finish yeah. with? Like, like 20, he finished with like 23, 23. Okay. So eight points in the fourth quarter is fine. But why is Malcolm Brogdon the one that's driving and turning the ball over on the last possession? Why is that happening? Why isn't it – the ball should – in my opinion, the ball should be inbounded maybe from someone else, but inbounded to Brown or Tatum and then doesn't leave either of their hands. Those are your two all-NBA performers. Like, the, those are your guys. So I think it was a little bit on uh, Missoula there. Um, but I don't think Boston's dead in this series, but I, they have to win game two, obviously. And really, with Embiid coming back, I think it gets more complicated. And I hope that, honestly, I hope Philadelphia rests him until Game Three when they when they go back to Philly. So, 
I mean, it's a four to six week injury that Embiid has, and he this is week two. Like, absolutely, yeah. don't play him tomorrow. But, you know, or whenever he, they play he's played too. through worse. We've seen him in yeah. playoff series yeah. play through torn meniscus. Uh, we've seen him play through a, a shoulder injury. I think it was a like a rotator cuff or a pinched nerve or something in his shoulder. Um, not this past postseason, but a, a few postseasons ago. So. He's a tough yeah. guy. Even though, even with the injury history, he's a really tough guy that is going to play through a lot, especially when his team needs him. Uh, and we've seen him perform well in those situations too. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them bring him back in Game Three. But honestly, if if you can get away with not bringing him back until Game Four, or maybe maybe try to win the series without him, even because you know that you can push Boston to the limit like this. Um, that that would probably be best just for your chances at at you know making it to the finals. Yeah, they need their role players to step up though. Like yeah. obviously last night it was fine, but you need you need to have I mean, they're running eight guys, you know. Mm-hmm. Like you need to have Melton like continue to be productive, which he was last night. I thought Melton was really, really strong. You need Niang to to cash his threes whenever he gets them, they'll be very limited. You need McDaniels to be a plus on offense in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. You need Tyrese Maxey to continue to be like really strong. You need Tobias Harris to like come back to what he used to be a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. I know he's not the he's not a top three option even on this team anymore, but mm-hmm. you need him to be that um, until Joel comes back. Um, this f- series feels like a coin flip. In a lot of ways, especially when Embiid comes back, like I still think Boston should and will win the series. But like watching them last night, it's like I don't know. Like I have a, I have a lot more doubt after one game than I thought I was going to. But maybe I'm just being, maybe I'm not being realistic and a little bit petty towards Boston because I mean I'm not, I'm not a Boston guy. So yeah, I think Boston's biggest and, problem right now is that they play kind of to their competition, and we saw that a little bit in the Atlanta series. Obviously, yeah, they have the yep. talent to pull away from that like they did in a couple games in that Atlanta series. But um, I don't think they have the vocal veteran leadership um, that they need. Al Horford's a veteran. Marcus Smart's a veteran. But they're not, they're not these flamboyant kind of guys that are going to get, you know, rile up the rest of your guys, start a fire and, and really get the energy flowing in, in a positive direction. I think championship contenders need that kind of fire. Like PJ Tucker is a guy that I think of like that. He's tough as nails and he's vocal about it. You saw him yelling. And shot the ball zero times last night. Absolutely zero times, but still has that impact. He got the most out of uh, Reed last night. He was yelling at him on the bench because he wasn't in the right position on a couple possessions. And then Reed goes out there in the second half and just dominates the glass. So I think. I think as Boston, you have to be super embarrassed that you lost a game where you shot 50-40-90. You have to be super embarrassed that you lost a game to a team without their literal MVP. And you have to come out for the rest of this series and say, hey, we are the higher-seeded team for a reason. We beat this team three times in the regular season for a reason. Like, if I'm Jason Tatum, I'm Jason Tatum. Like, I am an all-NBA first-teamer. I'm an MVP candidate. I can take it to these guys. Nobody on this floor can guard me, but I still need help from my guys. I can't just be taking 30 shots, you know? So um, there's a lot of things that need to be fixed and they definitely can fix it. I think they still should not, you know, we shouldn't doubt that at all, but um, it is going to take a lot and Philadelphia's not going away quiet. Yeah. And to be fair, 
I think Boston's biggest concern right now is uh, the collapse of their hockey team more so than the state of the Celtics because, <laughs> gosh, golly, how like how do you win sixty five games and then lose in the first round? I don't understand. You want to talk about That's embarrassing? For you. That is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, quite literally embarrassing. Yeah, yeah, no sympathy there that, to be no. honest with you. No. Anywho, okay. Uh, the other series. I was just texting somebody about this. This literally feels like a coin flip to me. Like this series does the Knicks and uh, Heat. Like it's already one one after the Knicks won tonight. Uh, much better performance than in, in game one. Man, I I have no idea. Like I I don't want to predict because I feel like I'm going to be wrong. But like I want to predict because I I don't know. Like it just. It's a very, very even series in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what's going to be the differentiator. Do you have an idea on what that is? Because I don't. It's a healthy Jimmy Butler, and it's Eric Spolstra. And do you if... think, though, like, do you think even that's enough? Like, I don't even know. Like, they were so even in game one in a lot of ways that I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but, but it... you, you look at that game one. Um, and Randall's still out too, right? Uh, Julius Randall. No, he yeah. played tonight. He, he played, played tonight. tonight. Okay. So you look at you look at game one where Julius Randall is out, and um, you see the Knicks compete, and Jimmy Butler is the one that said, "I'm the man, and I'm taking control." And it, during clutch time, it was him and Kevin Love and Kyle Lowry. You know, they've got the guys that have been there, done that. Two of them are champions. They they literally have been there and done that. They they're gritty. They play solid defense. They punch you in your mouth. And I think with a healthy Jimmy Butler, this this Heat team is going to win this series in six games. If okay, the Knicks can figure it out because they, I mean, going to Miami is going to be really difficult. Miami is going to be playing with some gusto when they go home. They they've stolen home court advantage. If they take care of business at home, they have a three-one lead heading back to New York. Um, and even if Jimmy misses this game three, I think we saw Miami play well enough in that first half to say this Miami team can beat them. They they, they can beat a fully healthy Knicks team even with Julius Randle coming back in. They were up for a good portion of that game, um, so they can at least keep it close. I think that home court advantage will help. I think. Obviously, role players typically always play better at home. Um, so really, to me, the X factor is, is Jimmy Butler. I think Eric Spolstra, he, he's proven me wrong. I've always thought he's a good coach. He is a fantastic coach. He puts his guys he's in the elite. best. He's, he, he's he probably like the – he's a top three coach in the NBA, like without a doubt. In I, I don't, he may be I the second best behind it. Pop. Yeah, I don't, I don't doubt that. And, you know, Pop has – not had the chance to prove that he is the, still the best coach in the NBA for the past few years. So Spolster might even be in that one spot right now, just based on current circumstances. But man, yeah, yeah, um, I think that that takes a that gives the Heat a huge advantage as well. Um, so yeah, I, I think if if Jimmy comes back fully healthy for these next couple games, they take a three one lead. They're not going to lose that three one lead. They they will win this series in six games. If it goes back to New York for a game seven, I think I would give the slight edge to New York because like you said, it's kind of a coin flip. This Knicks team is gritty and we're finally starting to see RJ Barrett come out of his shell. 
and play like yeah, he, thank he God he was awesome to tonight. He was, and he was yeah. great in game one too. Um, and when you've got Jalen uh, Brunson who can take it over in the clutch, when you've got Julius Randle who we've I mean we've seen what he can do, and against this Heat team even I mean he's he's dropped forty eight on their heads in the regular season, so he he's a force to be reckoned with when he is right. So if if that ankle gets good, then um, I think you know he'll he'll be a deciding factor as well. It is probably the closest series, I think, to judge. I, I think that this is you know it's gonna come down to a game six or seven. There's there's no way that Miami wins these next three and wins the series four one. Same with New York. Um so I, I'm yeah. I'm really excited. We've got a great series so far, and I, I hope that these games continue to go down to the crunch time. I think RJ Barrett is the X factor. Yeah. Like either way, like if he plays as well as he continues to play, like he has the last couple games, then the Knicks have a really strong chance. I think Josh Hart could be thrown into that equation as well. But Josh does so many things well that it it doesn't like, you know, it doesn't really matter. Like it matters, but like it doesn't really matter. Like, he's flirting with a triple double tonight. Yeah, yeah, I mean, exactly. He, like he, you, you know, he's what I'm all over to say. the floor. He makes a great difference and. I mean, he's the one that's guarding Jimmy Butler. He's the one that's taking that assignment and have it, being able to do that and also contribute on offense and on the boards the way that he has, um, it's impressive for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I need I need to see more Brunson assist. I would yeah. love to see a little bit more of that. You know, like I love what Jalen's doing. I mean, you know, we y'all know how we feel about Jalen, listener. Mm-hmm. Y'all y'all know exactly. What we've been saying the last couple of weeks, especially now that he's continuing to showcase how good of a player he is, maybe some people in this part of the country, this part of the state, this part of the town should have figured things out better. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, that's never been like a huge like thing in like his NBA career that he's like a elite distributor, but I need him to like average like five assists a game. Mm-hmm. in this series, you know, like yeah. be willing to like feed Randall more and feed Barrett more and get open looks for quickly. And, and, and Grimes, especially like guys like that, which quickly would play a little bit more. I mean, I understand you got to play Jalen a lot, but I, I feel like quickly is, is not a horrible, like, you know, detriment in the series, or maybe he is, and I'm just not seeing it, but I don't know. I think he should get up a, a little bit more run, but Jalen should average five assists. Yeah. Like just move the ball around, like find your guys, you know, and that's what Miami does so well. So take notes from, mm-hmm. from even that playbook. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Bam, Bam has to continue to step up for as long as Jimmy's out. I think that's, I mean, that's obvious, you know? Yeah. Um, I was impressed by Caleb Martin tonight and Gabe Vincent and how they played and how well they shot. They've been, pretty great these playoffs and they have. if they continue to do that then Miami's at a lot of ways not unstoppable but they're like really really hard to beat yeah. because if they make their shots it just feels like it feels like you know like depressing like if you're on the other team like yeah. that's not the right word for it but like you you see them hit shots and you're like man that's a bummer, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, what you're going to get from Jimmy, you know, you're going to get from Bam, you know, kind of what you're going to get from Kyle Lowry, you know, kind of what you're going to get from Kevin Love. Anybody else? You're like, uh, I don't, I don't know. And 
if they're consistent like they were last series and have been so far, like, man, that's a that's you know that's pretty deflating to your morale. Yeah. But uh, I think this is gonna go seven personally. But I I again I'm not gonna make a prediction because I genuinely don't have a clue. Yeah. Don't have a clue. Yeah, I I think um, you know they they have the pedigree. They they're able to roll out so many different lineups with so many different guys. We saw Jimmy go out there with four undrafted guys in game five of the Bucks series and finish that game out and beat the Bucks, beat the number one seed. I think that this Miami team is the epitome of the Jimmy Butler syndrome in the fact that they, they don't really care about the regular season. Specifically this year, they really didn't give a crap. And we knew that they were capable of more, especially when you look at guys like Kyle Lowry, when you look at the role players like Max Struess and Gabe Vincent. Like They're not bad players, but they just didn't play up to their potential in the regular season. It kind of felt like they were like, well, let's just get into the playoffs and then we'll start trying. And like trying they are. I mean, <laughs> like this is... This is some great basketball that we're seeing. Defensively, they are they are moving as one unit. They're very fluid. They know exactly where they need to be. The rotations are great. Offensively, they're moving the ball. Like you said, Kyle Lowry's looking like his old self. I mean, he had, I think, 18 points in game one. Uh, I don't think he did so hot tonight. But, man, I, I really like this Miami team. And I think a Miami versus Philly conference final would be – really awesome because Jimmy would get the chance to beat the team that said, you want Tobias Harris over me? Over me? Like, really? You're going to pay that man? Um, so yeah. I, I would love to see that happen. I, I agree with you. I hope it goes seven games. Um, but yeah, it's a coin flip, man. It's it's a really tough series to judge. Yep. For sure. Okay, let's go out west. And talk about the two series there. Uh, let's start with the Nuggets series. They're up to nothing on Phoenix. I only have one question to ask you: Is Phoenix in trouble? They are in trouble, um, but when you have Kevin Durant and Devin Booker on your team, you can, they can get you out of some holes just by themselves. Um, and I think we might see a game here in Game Three where. I mean, it might be the level of an old, you know, Kyrie LeBron duo where they both score 40. Um, I think that that crowd is going to be, you know, itching for, for stuff to cheer at. I mean, they, they haven't been very good in these first two games. They really haven't. Um, and I think Phoenix's biggest woe right now is that they're not very deep. So they don't, they just don't have the, the bench depth. Nope. They kind of gave that away to get Kevin Durant. Um, and they lost him this past offseason, too. Um, and I think having a guy like Jay Crowder right now <laughs> would be really nice, you know? Um, so. Uh, Hold on. Before you go any further. Yeah. What do you think about that thing with him, man? Like his comments the other day about, I don't know what my role is here in Milwaukee. He's old man. That's I mean, weird, man. That's it's a weird. It's weird, though, because like I still think he gives you value, especially on the defensive end. He does, but I mean, he he has a point. He's getting these DNPs, and he's proven that, especially in playoff scenarios, he can, like, I mean, he showed it in the series against the Mavs last year. 
he had a game where he had like 24 points. I mean, he he single-handedly kept the Suns in one of those games last year. So, I mean, he it's not like he's a, a washed bum or anything, but he is just kind of older. Um, he's not a defensive stud like he used to be. He's not verti- or vertically. He's not horizontally as quick as he used to be, so he's not going to be able to guard Jimmy Butler. Lateral, as lateral quickness, my friend. Yes, lateral. That's what I meant to say. Horizontal is kind of the same thing. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I mean, it's a weird situation. I don't think it was a great fit from the get-go. You've got a guy like Joe Ingles. You've got Chris Middleton. You've got good wing depth. You've got Pat Connaughton. You've got Grayson Allen. So it's kind of weird to find a spot for you in any of those lineups with with more than two of those guys in at once, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's just, I don't know, man. Like, I shouldn't be feeling for him because he's kind of a nutcase. But, like, you know, I th- I still think he's useful. Mm-hmm. Come to the maps, please. I'm taking we'll him. We need, we, need, we need some veteran leadership. We need a guy to protect yep. Luca. We need a guy that can be physical because we don't have anybody, <laughs> really. Yep. Really. Yep. I, I would take him in a heartbeat at yeah. this point, pretty pretty obviously. I'll take him anyway. with Dylan Brooks for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, continue with what you were saying about Phoenix. Yeah. I, I mean, you're not you're not gasping for air yet because plenty of teams have gone down 2-0 and then tied series 2-2 coming back home. Lots lots of times that happens. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say hit the panic button yet, but I really do think that this Denver team is just better than them. I mean. They have less holes, um, and for what they do lack, kind of defensively, to be able to really contain both Booker and Durant, um, they make up for it by stellar offense, man. And and they don't, even though Jamal Murray had a terrible game too. I mean, you saw KCP pick up the slack. You saw Nikola Jokic when he needs to, he can go out and score forty points. You know, I, I, I mean, that it's a really difficult offense that Denver runs to be able to deal with. And when you don't have the depth or the bodies or the defensive prowess um, that past Suns teams have had, um, then then you're going to really struggle, um, especially against this really versatile Denver offense where they just face the floor, they run, um, and, and they run a lot of pick and roll, which DeAndre Ayton is terrible at defending. So, um, it's it's not looking good, but I don't think it's like a dire situation quite yet. I'm gonna zig or zag, whatever the term is, a little from you because unfortunately the Suns now have to play Cameron Payne like thirty seven minutes a game until Chris Paul comes back. And That's that true. in itself is a massive, massive detriment. I would be really worried if I'm the Suns, man. I know, like you said, you have KD, you have Booker, they're mm-hmm. elite at what they do. I hate saying that about Booker, but whatever. But man, I I just don't see it. You've got four guys on Denver who you could throw at KD realistically, like rotate between Aaron Gordon, KCP, Bruce Brown, Jeff Green. You have those four guys you can throw at KD to not obviously stop him, but slow him down a little bit. KCP can then switch on to Booker, you know, and and handle some of that. And Bruce Brown can as well. Um, They have nobody to guard Jokic. Like, like mm-hmm. you said, Aiton is horrible. So I don't trust him against Jokic. I just don't trust this Phoenix team, especially now that CP3 is out. 
you're going to have to rely that much more on your two guys. And it's what we've been saying all year. It's like, well, not all year, ever since the trade happened. It's like, if any of those guys goes down, you're you're in trouble. You know, mm-hmm. like you ha- you're going to have to play more of a Koji and Tory Craig and I don't know, like Ish Wainwright or somebody like that or or Jock Lawndale or whatever the heck his name is. Mm-hmm. And it's just not the same, you know. As much as I hate Chris Paul like a lot, like as a basketball player, just to be clear, I I mean, it's not the same, you know, mm-hmm. when he's on the floor because he creates so much he gives you so much gravity and he's such an elite playmaker and has been forever and ever and ever. He's Hall of Famer in that regard. Yeah, I think the Suns lose a lot offensively. I don't think they lose much defensively though, because I mean, really Chris Paul, like like the Mavs made everyone aware of last offseason or last postseason. He's a cone. He's a cone. And and I think campaign is kind of the same in a lot of ways. He's he's undersized. He has never been known for his defense and really all he's known has for the is the ugliest jump shot ugly on planet earth jump shot, man. Um, and that's another thing is like, I remember watching that game one. Um, no, no, it was game two. And some of those possessions kind of down the stretch before it got blown open. Um, the, uh, the Suns were, were running pretty bad sets. And, uh, you know, they, they ended up the possession twice with campaign attempting a corner three. And that's not what you want in the, in the crunch time when you're trying to get back in the game, when it's about a 10 point, seven point game. Um, that's not what you want. And I think some of that has to fall back on Monty Williams. I think that, which is crazy to think. Cause like you would think that he's a much better coach than Mike Malone. I would argue that on a normal day. I don't like Mike Malone. I, don't I feel like he's been just really fortunate to have a really great roster around him like the last few years, but he is 100% outcoached mm-hmm. Monty right now. And, and I, think I never thought honest, I'd say that. Yeah, if we're being honest, I think maybe we have to look at Monty in a different light now and say like, hey, these past few years where you know the Suns made the, the finals and then they had the one seed, like do we have to look at it now as if, hey, like – Yes, they did those things, but but now that they're a little more strapped, especially on the defensive side of the ball, is is Monty really like the coach of the year type coach that that we think that he is? And and that answer might not be yes, um, because we're we're seeing a lot of things get exposed right now because of the injury, because of the trade, because of the lack of depth. Um, I I I want to say that Phoenix can push this to a game seven just because I'd never want to doubt Kevin Durant and Devin Booker's averaging like 35 in the playoffs. However, I'm leaning more towards maybe a gentleman's sweep. I think Denver might take one of these two games in Phoenix and then go back home and close it out, shut her down. Yeah, I, I think that's what's going to happen. It sounds like CP's out till they're preparing as if he's going to be out Games three, four, and five. And so that, that in itself, that might be all you get. Exactly, exactly. So, and the way that Denver has played, it's like they're playing for a one seed. Like they're playing with no pressure. They're playing a little bit more freely. Like, and they have all the control of the game. You know, mm-hmm. like you know, Phoenix did a much better job in the first half last night as opposed to all of Game One. 
But once Denver kind of took the game back, took the lead back, it's like you could tell that they weren't going to let it go. Mm-hmm. And Phoenix just doesn't have that like same sort of like killer vibe currently, which you'd never think you'd say with a team with Kevin Durant mm-hmm. on it. But that's that's how it is right now. And unless something changes between now and when Game Three is, is like I like what can you expect? Like, are they going to crumble at home? It's not like Phoenix is that great at home in the playoffs either. Like. Mm-hmm. Let's be realistic. Like, yeah. yeah, they they got away with it last round, but I mean, they did not. They didn't. They didn't win a really important game uh, last year in the playoffs at home. You know, no. so and I don't I, know. Like, I, I think we kind of saw the writings on the wall last round when a Clippers team without Paul George and without Kawhi was still pushing this Phoenix team to the limit, to the brink, with a. Russ, who's not washed, but not what he used to be. Not an Oklahoma City Russ. So I think we kind of saw the writings on the wall then. I think that this is going to be a second-round exit for the Phoenix Suns. And then I think you really have to look at a couple guys um, that that just aren't as valuable as their contracts say and maybe not as valuable as you originally thought they were whenever um, whenever you ended up signing them. And I'm, I'm looking at guys like DeAndre Ayton. Um, that's that's my main concern. I think he needs to get out. I think he is kind of a vibes killer, kind of a chemistry killer. Oh, absolutely. We've we've kind of known that for yeah. a long time. And Monty does not trust him, as no. evident from last year. Also, uh, stars have made it interesting because Joe Pavelski has a hat trick. It's still <laughs> a one goal game, but if anything else, you can tell that he's back. So yeah, isn't it his first uh, get game on back? Him. Yeah, yeah, That's he hasn't wild, played since man. game one. That's yeah, crazy. yeah, uh, yeah. Jeez. Kudos, kudos to him. What a dude. Now, go tie the game, please, please. That'd anyway, be great. Um, Nuggets in five, bro. Yeah, I'll, I'll Nuggets in five. Yeah, I think they win game four. That's it. They'll yeah. have some shame. Yeah, I think so. Just a little bit, though. Yeah. Okay. We well, I don't know if you're. I don't think you are because of where you're recording. But I'm watching Lakers Warriors. Yeah, so I know this it was like is a also. I think game a couple minutes yeah, ago. What what's it looking like yeah, right now? It's now a uh, it's now a seven point game. Oh, the that Warriors the Lakers are winning. Oh no! No, the Lakers are up. Oh, no. It's the third, and Draymond just got a tech. So now it's about to be an eight point game, assuming Anthony Davis makes his free throw, Jeez. and he did. Okay, there's one minute to go in the third. Mm-hmm. To me, this is a about as hard to judge as the Knicks series, honestly. Like, I for sure think this is going seven. But I don't know. What do you think? Going into the series before this game one got played, I thought I thought it was kind of silly for for as many people as were saying it's gonna go six or seven games. I thought it was kind of silly. I think the Warriors are just through and through the better team. I, obviously, I haven't been watching. I, I was at a movie tonight, and right now, uh, listener, I'm, re- I'm recording in my mother-in-law's bathroom. So, um, <laughs> you know, this is... This is how we do it, you guys. Yeah, this is yeah. how we you, do it. You do what you got to do when you've got a 10-week-old puppy. So, um, but but no, it's... Yeah, obviously, I haven't watched it tonight. But I, I really just don't think that the Lakers, and obviously if they're proving me wrong tonight, then they're proving me wrong, but I don't think they have the the roster to compete with this Golden State team 
when Golden State is playing the way that they were, um, you know, in the wins from last series. And that's that's the key here is that um, they they had some pretty stinker losses, um, like that game six in, in that in that Sacramento series. And obviously, if they end up losing this game, it'll be kind of a stinker for such a great home team as the Warriors are. Um, that kind of sucks. Uh, and as a as a Warriors fan, as a Steph fan, it, it does bite. However, this Warriors squad has been together through this kind of stuff. They were just there last year. Right. They're the defending champs. Um, I wanted to say Warriors in five or six. If the Lakers... Obviously, LeBron has that pedigree, too. We can't ever doubt him. Anthony Davis, when he's right, he's a top 10 player in the league, fringe top five. So I I don't want to doubt those guys because they have earned that respect. Um, But I just think this Warriors team, that they're they're the better shooting team, top to bottom, they're the better defensive team, I think. I think they have better defensive pieces. Um, You have Anthony Davis and Jared Vanderbilt, which are really nice defensive pieces. But outside of them, it gets kind of shaky, especially when you look at how little effort LeBron gives on defense. And then D'Angelo Russell can't defend a mouse. Um, and so, you know, there they're a little weaker. Um, in terms of rebounding, I think team re- rebounding, the Warriors are better there too. Um, so in, in terms of just all the categories, looking at it like that, I would give the advantage to the Warriors. Obviously, again, I have not watched this game that's going on right now. Um, I'll definitely watch the highlights, see what's going on. I plan on watching game two. Um, but I still I still give the Warriors an advantage. Um, and if this is the way that it's going right now today, I would love to see it go seven games. I think getting a, a second, seventh game to really battle test this championship team that we have with the Warriors um, would be really awesome, especially seeing LeBron and Curry go at it like they have for years. Um, so. Those are kind of my thoughts. Uh, what, are you, what are you thinking about it, man? I know you, you said it's, it's about as hard to judge as the Knicks and Heat series, but, but what do you think is like the X factor in this series? Well, it may be what's happening tonight, which is the Lakers shooting 23 free throws as of now and the Warriors shooting five as a team. So that in itself, because of how much smaller the Warriors are, and the fact that AD is going to draw a lot of attention and LeBron's going to draw a lot of attention, and and all that, it may not, you know, it may come down to that. I think it may come down to how well Austin Reeves continues to play, mm-hmm. and he's played really well tonight. Vanderbilt has been playing a lot better. Um, I definitely agree with you about the team rebounding aspect um, about the Warriors. Which, shout out to Kevon Looney, man. Like, mm-hmm. I just saw somebody on Mass Twitter uh, deem him as the trench god because of what he does in the trenches, mm-hmm. and that could not be a better way to describe like his play. Agreed. And I was talking to our buddy Jordan or our great friend, Jordan Joe, who has been on yeah. the show before. And one of our other friends, Trey, or one of my other friends, Trey. And, uh, he, we were all discussing this series and I can't remember which one of them brought it up, but one of them was like, just switch out Looney and pools contracts. And that would be a more accurate representation of what you're getting out of both of those guys. Absolutely. You know? It would Absolutely. be a lot of money for Kevon Looney and what he does, but I mean, he's definitely more valuable right now than what Jordan Poole has brought to you so far because Poole has been pretty horrible this entire playoff series yeah. or playoff run so far. I have no idea, man. Like, if the Warriors continue to play well, like, I definitely see that happening, but the Lakers, 
I think they they gained a lot of confidence and a lot of like good fortune from how they managed to handle that Memphis series and how they you know dealt with a little bit of not adversity but just you know you know all the crap with Dylan Brooks and Ja and everybody. Like I thought the way that they came out of that and you know took the high road as LeBron likes mm-hmm. to talk about from time to time. Like I think that did them well and will continue to do them well, even in the series where they're not going to like have that to some, I mean, we'll see what Draymond does. Right. But like, you wouldn't think it would be the same as it was last series, but I don't know, man. Like I think 80 is going to cause a lot of problems. If he continues to stay on the floor and be healthy, I think he'll cause a lot of problems for, you know, an undersized warriors team. And, I mean, Draymond is Draymond, but how much of a pest can he be, you know? And yeah. who's going to who's gonna take on the challenge of, of trying to slow down Braun? You know, like that's that's always been kind of the thing, you know, when the Warriors play LeBron James in a playoff series, you know? Mm-hmm. Like what's going to be the thing? Is it going to be team defending? Is it going to be individual? Is it going to be Draymond, like taking the bulk of it? Um, which, yep. is, which is hard when you have a, a massive, massive guy who, who – does so many things well in Anthony Davis, you know, um, again, what he's on the floor. So I, I don't know. And I trust Kerr a lot more on this front than I do Darvin ham, but I think ham has done a lot of good things well, um, in this playoff run so far, but I still think Kerr will have the edge there. Um, and also the Warriors just haven't lost in the Western conference since Kerr took over as head coach. Yeah. So those are things you, you have to consider. And I don't know if, if it's meant to be for this Lakers team to break that streak, but I don't know. Like, I think there has to be a lot more like not professionalism, but you know, you, you got to handle your business because this Lakers team is business, you know, mm-hmm. like the Warriors, you know, the Kings were in some ways, but they had the youth and the, the inexperience and in playoff moments to, you know, that you could really counter well with, with the experience yeah. they have. You can't do that with the Lakers, even though this iteration doesn't have like a wealth of playoff experiences. Like you have one of the best players ever to play basketball and you have an incredible, incredible power forward and you have a really deep team now with what they've done at the deadline and especially with how well Austin Reeves has played since the All-Star break. So all of that, just all that to say, like, I, I don't know what, oh, Great, great oop to to Braun there from Reeves. I don't know, man. Like, I I, I want to have a good gauge or a better gauge like you do, but, man, I, I really think this Lakers team poses a lot more problems than I think we want to say towards these Warriors. Mm-hmm. So I think it's going to go seven. I, I think the Warriors win it. Um, I, I think I can predict that just because they have home court. Um, and they're fresher. Like I talked to you about the other day, you and Clayton about how they haven't left the state of California, this entire playoff run. And they're not going to, um, at least through the end of the series where the, the Lakers have been the Memphis twice. Mm-hmm. So I think that matters a lot because, you know, they need to be fresh and as fresh as possible against this Lakers team that I think will tire them out in a lot of ways because of their length and, their physicality and the way that they play defense because they're a much better defensive team. They're quite opposite defensively than Sacramento was in that is so very many true. ways. That is very true. You said something that, that I want to talk about. You know, I always bring hot takes on here. 
You said uh, four you, four. Let's go! Oh, wait, Pavelski scored all four. Oh my! Pavelski has scored all four. Holy moly! So what you were saying earlier kind of kind of brings me back to these thoughts. Um, I, I I feel like in some ways the league might be wanting the Lakers to have that chance to to knock off the Warriors uh, in the West with a twenty three to five free throw differential. That just I mean, when you watch an NBA game, you see a lot of things that are not called. I remember watching a video of Steph from that Kings game, uh, game seven. He drives past Fox, Malik Monk, Harrison Barnes, and Sabonis. They all foul him. He loses the ball twice, picks it up, lays it in. None of those fouls were called. Um, things like that have been happening to the Warriors where they just haven't been getting the calls. And that goes back to even the Boston series last year. You look at the Lakers, on the other hand, there have been games this season where they attempt 40-plus free throws and their opponents are in the teens. It seems like some officiating crews have been favoring the Lakers in those situations. With a 23-5 to differential, like you said earlier, uh, that just seems like tonight might be one of those nights. And I hope. And I will, tell you, we- I will tell you that tonight like they are getting away with a lot of moving screens, the Lakers are. Like I just watched yeah. Anthony Davis like get away with a pretty obvious one, like kind of shifting stuff out of the way. Right. And uh, it, I mean, I don't know what else you have to do to, you know, not call that. But yeah, they didn't call that it. Surprise so. me though, you know. And and so I again, I hope that that we do see a fairly officiated series for the rest of the way. Um, but yeah, I, I just I would hate to see that this dynasty get knocked out uh, potentially to go for their fifth championship um, when. Because of something like that, I would I would hate to see that happen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It'll be tough, man. I really think it's going to be really, really close. And either way, whoever wins the series is going to be exhausted because yeah. of the nature, like physically, emotionally. Like, there's a lot of like storylines within the series um, mm-hmm. that people are going to have eyes on. So maybe, yeah. maybe the staying in California thing will will do both of them a lot of wonders because of all of that and the emotional, physical tolls, mental tolls that this whole thing could have because it's going to be pretty chaotic, I think. Yeah. Um, let's shift away from playoffs for a sec. Let's say with basketball, um, all the award winners have been announced as of tonight, I think, um, unless I was forgetting somebody. I think we got most of them right. Um, and Bede mm-hmm. was just announced tonight as MVP. Um, Rightfully so. We got, uh, we definitely got rookie of the year right. We definitely got, I think we got six man of the year right. Um, We got, we got um, coach of the year right. Duh. Like, I'm super happy that Mike Brown got that unanimously. We got clutch player of the year right. We did not get uh, defensive player of the year right. Um, And we should have gotten it right. And we should have gotten it right. Yes, correct. Um, so just wanted to mention that, um, but yeah, Embiid is the MVP. We both kind of expected it, even though he was kind of insufferable last series. It is well-deserved, although all three of those guys deserve it. I have some issues with the voting, though. Like, what are voters thinking putting Sabonis higher than De'Aaron Fox when De'Aaron Fox was the much better player? Uh, I mean, selfishly, Luka got pretty low, and SGA got a ton more votes when they 
basically had the same record, both of their teams, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, John Morant got a vote, which is like... That's that, I'm sure that's... I'm sure be, that's, that's, I'm sure a, that's Memphis a Memphis rider. It, it's, yeah. it has to be a Memphis rider, but like even then it's like, you should be fired for that. Like, mm-hmm. do you not see what he did this year? Like, what about even his on-court play screams MVP, not even counting the on-court drama or off-court drama and all the stuff that he you know, put on himself in a lot of ways, you know? Mm-hmm. And I know that I don't want to like crucify him, but like, let's be realistic here. Like that, I don't think that should garner an MVP vote, even if it is no. a fifth place vote. Like, let's be really realistic. And he's not even, he wasn't even a top five player in the league this year. I'm sorry. So let's look at it like this, man. If, how can you be close to the most valuable player of the league when you probably aren't the most valuable player to your team? We and we yeah. have a big enough sample size now to look back at the past two seasons when John Morant has been out for the Grizzlies. They have a better winning percentage. They have a better defensive rating. They have a comparable offensive rating. I think it's a couple ticks lower. But to see your team perform that well without a guy, how could you look at that when when he comes back and say and and you know they they don't play as well defensively. They lose a series a first round series to the Lakers. And say, yeah, no, he deserves an MVP vote. I think, personally, I think the voting needs to be changed. I think we need to take it away from media writers. And I think we need to give votes to NBA executives, to NBA coaches, to maybe some NBA front office people, and to like the national media when you you look at a guy like Shaq I value his opinion a lot more than a guy that is some random no name writer for the Memphis Grizzlies I value Agreed. um I value Jalen Rose's opinion as little as I do because I don't think he's a great reporter I value his opinion a lot more than I than I value some I don't know some Portland Gazette writer you know like like yeah I don't know why these you know, media professionals, quote unquote, have the ability to make a decision as important as NBA MVP, because it is an important thing. It's something that players care about. It's something that defines your legacy. Embiid finally got one. I think he deserved one at least one of these past two years that Jokic won. And something that affects your contract. Yes, exactly. Um, So I think think we need to overhaul the whole voting system for, for reasons like that, and also for the defensive player of the year. I think that that would have been given to Brooke Lopez had the credentials been different and, and had the, the voting, the voters been, been selected differently. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think I agree with, with most of not all of that, um, especially on the national media front. Like just give Ernie Johnson like 20 votes. Right. <laughs> Honestly, like He's I, the I most care. Unbiased commentator that we have you know yeah seriously yeah as long as we don't give votes to reggie miller i, I think i'll be okay yeah uh, you but know that, he just, but that's just me. for Stephen lebron you know that's yeah it. like that's all yeah he yeah do. yeah or like anybody on the fox network like broussard and nick Wright and all them because those guys are yeah. just straight up idiots man they're just yeah they're just, they're just there for clickbait yeah exactly and they're not even good at that anymore so right um yeah, it doesn't matter. Let's talk some NFL draft before we uh, land the plane and get out of here. Um, I want to hear your thoughts on, on how last week's festivities went. Um, I don't have like a 
bunch of questions just generally like what stood out to you i'm sure you have some cowboys thoughts mr cowboys man um, yeah yeah just just give me your thoughts on on the weekend and and what this means for the you know for the upcoming season yeah man i i'll start with the cowboys because obviously huge cowboys fan i'll be honest i did not watch any of the draft so um I, I don't have much to say on how the draft went. I can just look at the draft classes of each team and kind of judge based off that. I love the Cowboys draft class. I think we got a lot of really talented guys, really athletic guys. We got more physical, which is a really great thing. We filled our tight end hole that Dalton Schultz left, which is awesome. Uh, we got more depth on that defensive line, which has already been a strong suit for us. But this guy's more of a run stopper, and he's super strong. I don't know if you've seen the videos of his, like, pre-draft workouts, but he is, he's a tank. He's a, he's an absolute unit that, and that is not an understatement. Um, I think the, the biggest takeaway from the Cowboys draft for me is that none of these guys are like automatic starters on day one, even though they are so talented, um, which, which says something great to me about just our roster in general. I think we're really deep. At, at most every position, I think we uh, we covered all our bases through trading, uh, through free agency, through the draft that we needed to. Um, and I, I think that you know, Cowboys fans say it every year, but I think this is this could be our year to at least make a deeper run, get back to a conference championship game, possibly. Um, I think we're a lot more solid, especially if um, you know Dak can stay fully healthy. Um, and I saw this stat breakdown that I want to mention before I move off the Cowboys. Dak led the league in interceptions last year. That's no, no news to anybody. You know, he had 17 picks. 12 of those interceptions were not his fault. And, like, statistically, I saw a guy break down every single one of them. I think there were three just outright dropped passes. Five uh, were, like, um, the receiver ran the wrong route. Uh, and then four of them, the receiver gave up on the ball uh, before he even got to them and before they finished their route. So um, when you have got, and, and I think of those 12 interceptions that were not quote unquote Dak's fault, um, six of them, half of them were to guys that aren't on the roster anymore, which is Dalton Schultz and Noah Brown. So I think right. a lot of those mistakes will be fixed. Um, I'm really looking forward to the Cowboys season. Um they're going to disappoint me again, and I know I'm going to get heartbroken, but, you know, I'm prepared for it. I've dealt with it for 24 years of my life, so I'm going to go in with unwavering optimism and leave a little sad puppy. Um, now, as far as the rest of the teams, I think the Eagles probably had the best draft out of anybody. Um, when you look at the college football, you see who had the best defense in college football. Oh, the Georgia Bulldogs had the best defense for like three years running. And now you have, I think it's seven total between this year's draft and last year's draft, seven total Georgia Bulldogs in that defensive roster for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, and then they traded for DeAndre Swift, who's another Georgia Bulldog. So we got the Philadelphia Bulldogs up there. Um, so even though they did lose some really key pieces from that defense and free agency, uh, they really made up for it in the draft. I think they got a steal um, at pick nine to just bolster that defensive line. Um, yeah, that, that was really solid. The Bengals had a really good and underrated draft. 
Um, they lost some key pieces in the back end of that secondary as well uh, with Jesse Bates and uh, I forget the other safety. One of them went to Atlanta. One of them went to Carolina. Um, and so they, they filled those holes really well. Um, and a team that had a terrible draft, in my opinion, was the Detroit Lions. Um, yeah, I, know that I mean, really th- definitely, about- definitely they made up for the Jamar Gibbs pick when they traded away Swift. But also it's like, why would you take him that high? He would have been available in the third round, I believe, like truly. I, I don't, I think a lot of teams have caught on to this. You do not need to draft a running back in the first two rounds of the NFL draft. You just don't. Their, their shelf life isn't very long. Um, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're very replaceable. They, a lot of times it's a system fit, um, which is, you know, why I look at a team like the Falcons who had a really great offseason up till the draft and they had a bad draft in my eyes because you take a, Running back, even though I love that running back, Bijan Robinson, because hook him. Um, but you take him at eight. I mean, you should never take a running back in the top ten, in my opinion. If you're gonna take a first round running back, late twenties pick, early thirties pick. If you're gonna do that, I'd say wait until the second round at least. And really, I don't think anyone should ever to be taking running backs in the first two rounds. Um, which is why I love the the Deuce pick. By the by, the Cowboys getting that little tiny guy from Kansas State. Um, he's he's kind of a powerhouse. I'm I'm excited for him. I, I think he's going to add a lot of versatility to that running back room. But um, but yeah, the Lions draft was you know mediocre and kind of disappointing, honestly. Yeah, I uh, I would agree with all that. Especially agree about the Eagles. I really like what Houston did. Um, mm-hmm. I think. Some people, well, I know some people definitely were like, I don't know if that's, if you should trade that much to get Will Anderson, but I think he's that like game changing of a talent that, especially Mm -hmm. for a team that needs it, like you, you have to fight the battle of like, how many guys do you need or how you should stack up on getting a lot of guys um, as much talent as possible. But I really feel like with them, like you want quality guys as well. And I think that. D'Amico Ryans and their their front office did a good job of, of identifying that with him and Stroud. And I'm really excited to see what they do. I think their offense is going to be pretty good next year, man. Like they've mm-hmm. got decent weapons. I know they just traded away Brandon Cooks, but you've got Dalton Schultz. That's where Noah Brown went too, unironically, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. like you've got those two guys. You've got uh got their running back who was so great last year, who I can't remember his name currently. Um even though he looks old as heck, I can't remember his name. Anyway, like I think they're gonna be they're gonna be you know not like good, but I don't think they'll be the worst team in the league next year. Personally, well, yeah, um, especially in that weak division, man. I mean, I yeah, think exactly. They made, they made good moves to be able to compete at least within the division um, for for the foreseeable future. I don't again. I don't think they're gonna be anything. You know competitive really this year they might get seven wins and that would be a win in their eyes i think um but you're looking two or three years down the road here in houston that's i mean that's a pretty solid young core that you've got to build around yeah yeah i I definitely agree i i'm trying to think of who else had good drafts i really like what seattle did i'll tell you what i Mm -hmm. I really like what seattle did uh jackson smith and jigba man that is that is a stout wide receiver room 
with him yeah. and and DK and, and Tyler Lockett, man, give Gino mm-hmm. all the weapons, and they've done a much, not a much better job. They've done a great job with uh, their defensive, you know, additions both in free agency and in the draft. Yeah. Really like what they've done. I think they're they'll be you know, a really strong challenger in that NFC West, depending on what everybody else does, because I think there's still a decent amount of question marks with San Francisco and what they've got going on and Arizona's a dumpster fire and who knows how the Rams will, will turn up this year with how last year went and how much older they're and getting. Stetson Bennett at quarterback. Stetson Bennett, <laughs> the king himself. Where did, uh, where did Duggan go? Did he get drafted or did he get left off the board? You know, I don't think he did. I don't think he was selected. Yeah. Okay, I'll look this up before we. Yeah, at least not up. not to my knowledge. I, I I didn't see anything on it. Uh, I feel like I would have seen at some someone post about it. Um, yeah. Especially being that we're both from the Fort Worth area and we right. know people that are TCU fans. So. Right. Shout out! Uh, shout out! Richland High graduate, which Richland High School in our area is our rival high school from where Jet and I graduated, which is Birdville High School. But shout out Richland High graduate Rasheed Rice who played at SMU, led the FBS, I think, in like total yards last year, receptions at SMU, and got drafted in the second round by the Chiefs, um, yeah. in part because he worked out with Mahomes. And he was like, hey, Kansas City front office coaches, please go draft this guy, because I think he'd be great. And apparently he'll be a nice like Juju Smith Schuster replacement. That's what everybody's saying. I really like him. Mm-hmm. I, I've heard he's a great person, and I know that from people that I know. Um, that's not just me saying that. Why did Jordan Poole just take that shot? I don't understand. Why did Jordan Poole just take that shot? I don't understand. Oh my goodness! And the Lakers got the timeout. The Lakers are up three with four seconds left, and the Warriors Jeez. missed a shot. And instead of a jump ball call, the Lakers got a timeout. So it's looking like it's over. Anyway, uh, Max Duggan got drafted by the Chargers. Hmm. In the seventh well, round. play. <laughs> yeah, not with not behind Justin Herbert. You won't. No. Mm-mm. Uh, quick, quick hits. Uh, you like the Anthony Richardson fit in Indy? Yes or no? Um, I think it's a very indie move. Um. I think there's a lot of untapped potential there with Richardson. I think he's a better thrower of the football than Jalen Hurts, and I think he's a more athletic player than Jalen Hurts too. So the upside is beyond that level, which is an MVP kind of level. Um, But it's going to take a lot of time to fine-tune that and polish it up Um, because I was looking back at footage from his Florida year of this past season, and some of those interceptions are absolutely awful and inexcusable. So there's, there's some things to work out there, but honestly, I do like the fit. I think that there's a lot of young guys on that team. I think, um, you know, having Jonathan Taylor next to you, uh, Jonathan Taylor is still one of the top backs in the league. He might not have had the season to show for it last year, but that offensive line was horrendous. Um, so if they can turn that around, then I think it's a really great fit. Uh, I think, um, they have a couple guys, uh, there to help Richardson develop that, that were really key in Jalen Hurts development uh, in Philadelphia. And so I think that you really couldn't ask for a better situation to kind of fall into. Um, I, I, I 
again, it's he's just a question mark because he's a project. I, I don't think there's any doubt that he does have talent and he has um, just a lot of physical acumen to to really be impressed by. Um, but uh, again, it's just kind of one of those things where you're going to have to see how it pans out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Where did Levis get drafted? The Titans, which I love. I love that. Yeah. Fit. Okay. Um, okay. I don't think that Levis will even be a top three quarterback from this draft. So I, I, I'm not surprised that he did slip. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, I think, I think that he fits really well there, especially in their timeline. I think that this might be Ryan Tannehill's last year uh, to oh, play it definitely football. Is. Um, not just to play for the Titans, but to play football. Agreed. Um, so uh, I think that that fits their timeline. Obviously, they swung and missed with Malik Willis. Uh, we I think we saw enough from him this past season to kind of tell he's like Lamar Jackson if Lamar Jackson couldn't throw the football at all. Um, and yeah. so uh, I think I think it's smart of them to kind of be like, okay, panic mode. We missed really badly with our first round pick in Malik Willis last year. Let's go ahead and get Will Levis since he slipped to us this far. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Lamar signed a contract, finally. He did, which is that a mistake. Time. It's a mistake. You think so? Tell me you. why. Yeah. Tell me why. That's a hot take. Yeah. Tell me why. It, it handicaps them. I mean, you, it, Lamar right. Jackson is an all-world talent. I mean, he's proven that by winning an MVP and literally just breaking all sorts of kind of rushing records. And when he plays, the Ravens are great, and they're really hard to beat. And he's shown that. But that's the key phrase is when he plays, man, he just has not been available. And and he's proven that two straight seasons where they've had these awesome starts. They're leading their division. They're looking strong. They need to make a really deep playoff push. They need to make a push to, you know, try to get a high seed and try to even win home field advantage. Records like six and two and seven and one, I'm talking like very good starts. And then he gets hurt and then he's out. And Huntley does what he can, but like, what he can is be a serviceable backup. And in a stacked AFC, being a serviceable backup is not going to get you very many wins. And so they've slipped and been early exits because of that or haven't even made the playoffs. And so you have to be available. And I think that's the main reason why the Ravens weren't going to pay him is because he just hasn't been available. And so if he can prove that he can stay healthy and do that, then this will prove me wrong and it will be a good contract. If he can get him to a Super Bowl, then it'll be a good contract. But so far, his his track record has been, I'm an amazing player. I can win you a lot of regular season games. I've choked in two playoff games. And the other two seasons, I haven't been healthy. So um, he's, he's going to have to prove that to not just me, but just the Ravens organization in general. And I think the general public has kind of the same consensus there where, I mean, it, Lamar Jackson's a question mark because we don't know if we're going to have him under center or not. Yeah. By the way, the Lakers just won. So yeah, I got that notification. I'm just going to, um, dream that it never happened. So Oh man, and the stars just started overtime. So Great. knowing how last time went, uh, this may take like another four hours. Am I going to stay up for it? Absolutely. 
Yeah, weren't so, you at that overtime game? People I was at that game. until like 1 a.m.? Yeah, yeah, the game ended oh, at 1 a.m., yeah. That's wild. Yeah, yeah, and then obviously that was a whack ending, but it ended up being fine, mm-hmm. um, so it didn't really matter. Right. Am I missing anything? I think we covered all our bases, man. Uh, if you want to say the Rangers are doing great and leading the division at 18 and 11, then we yes, can go ahead and say that. Yes. Yes, we can say that. I saw them beat the Yankees on Friday night. My family went to saw, see them beat the Yankees on Saturday night. Then they creamed the Yankees on Sunday. Then they won today. They came back and won yeah. today. So four straight, baby. I like it, Josh man. Young. I, I'm not Josh trying to Young say is looking like rookie of the year, man. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I, I'm not saying too much because it's May second, but I like what I'm seeing, man. I do. I really do. I am too. I am too. We'll see if it sustains throughout the year. As long um, as we stay healthy, as long as Degrom comes back healthy after oh, this yeah. brief stint on the DL, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I can't think of anything else. I think we're good, man. I think we got it. I'm excited for the rest of these playoffs, man. Yeah, me too. All right, well, thanks for having me on. Really appreciate yeah, it, man. as always. Yeah. And you know, it's uh, it's gonna be fun to keep getting on here and and talking as we progress throughout these playoffs and um. You know, if if you do like a baseball roundtable at any point with some of your buds, then yeah, yeah, yeah. Jake I'll, and I've talked about that a little that. bit. So yeah, yeah, that'd be sick. yeah, yeah. That that'll be fun. I'll, I'll try to plan that as as the summer gets going. Listener, thanks for being here. You guys are the best. Appreciate all the feedback I've gotten recently on on a lot of episodes. On we got a lot of great be- feedback on the Mavs group therapy episode. That's great. A lot of had a lot of people listen to that and say that there's a lot of good stuff in there had some good feedback on the epl talk that came out last week had some good feedback on um the last episode we did and the last episode i did with no individually so lots of good stuff and i appreciate you guys uh letting me and, and the rest of the crew know about all that so if you like what you hear uh continue to let me and, and everybody else know and go ahead and rate and review the show on spotify and apple and all those places um, be sure to follow the pod on Instagram at Dennis Friends Pod. Be sure to email the pod, Dennis Friends Pod at gmail.com if you have any questions, comments, concerns, anything like that. Be sure to follow the both of us on Instagram and Twitter. Our handles will be in the show notes. Be sure to click all the other links in the show notes because why wouldn't you? And uh, I don't know what's next. We'll see what happens as the week goes on. Um, but expect hopefully an episode uh, next week at the very latest. And uh, I do have a listen to this recommendation for this week and a eat this recommendation. My eat this recommendation is what I just told Jet before we clicked record, which was I was telling him about my day in food. And if you live near a restaurant called Piata, which is an Italian, uh, basically like Italian Chipotle kind of vibe. That's how I would best describe it. Please eat there. It is insanely good. I would eat there every day if I could. Um, and my listen to this recommendation is... Uh, too soon by austin incredible incredible song i've been waiting for it for a long time it is r&b personified and it is immaculate please go listen to it too soon by austin spelled a-s-t-n in all caps like i said i don't know what the next episode will be slash when it will come out but hopefully sooner than later until next time be good and do good mr coatney Sign us out. Listener, appreciate you as always. Get out there and don't have a good day. Have a great day. Uh, And uh, 
keep living and keep loving. And go stars. And go stars. <laughs>